welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Shooter, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 100, Major Study Finds That Cancer Screening Programs Don't Extend Life. If you scroll through my previous posts and podcast episodes on cancer-related topics, and I've included a link to the page where you can access all my previous writings on cancer in the post to come to this podcast episode. So if you do that, you'll notice that many of those posts discuss the dismal outcomes of cancer screening programs. For example, in my previous articles, a quick update on skin cancer screening and melanoma incidents, and skin cancer checks, lifesaver or scam, I discussed the lack of evidence that screening people for melanoma prevents death from that dreaded form of skin cancer. And in Major Trial Finds Screening Colonoscopy Fails to Save Lives, I shared the findings of a long-running trial which concluded that screening colonoscopy reduces the risk of being diagnosed with colorectal cancer, but not the risk of dying from it. In New Study on Screening Mammography Shows More Harms Than Benefits and Breast Cancer Screening When Talking to Your Doctor May Mislead Rather Than Inform, I outlined the clear evidence that screening mammography does not reduce the risk of dying, either of breast cancer or anything else, of women who undergo it. And in prostate cancer, duplicity, deception and betrayal, I discussed the similar lack of benefit of prostate cancer screening for men. For those of you who are struggling to understand how cancer screening, which aims to find cancers when they are at an earlier stage and therefore should be more easily treatable, could possibly be such an abject failure, I explained the reasons for this failure in quite some detail in my previous article, Major Trial Finds Screening Colonoscopy Fails to Save Lives. I encourage you to read or reread that article or listen to the podcast episode to familiarize yourself with the decades of evidence that cancer screening has manifestly failed to deliver on its promise of saving lives, although it has certainly delivered big bickies for the medical technology companies that produce cancer screening equipment and tests, the medical practices that deliver those tests, and the politicians who buy votes by directing public funds to pointless and possibly counterproductive cancer screening programs. In that article, I discussed a 2002 paper which examined 12 randomized controlled trials of cancer screening and found that, quote, in five of the 12 trials, differences in the two mortality rates, that is mortality or, or death from the specific cancer that was being screened for and all-cause mortality, went in opposite directions, suggesting opposite effects of screening. In four of these five trials, disease-specific mortality was lower in the screened group than in the control group, whereas all-cause mortality was the same or higher. In two of the remaining seven trials, the mortality rate differences were in the same direction, but their magnitudes were inconsistent. That is, the difference in all-cause mortality exceeded the disease-specific mortality in the control group. Thus, results of seven of the 12 trials were inconsistent in their direction or magnitude, end quote. And that quote is from the study called All-Cause Mortality in Randomized Trials of Cancer Screening. In August 2023, JAMA Internal Medicine published a meta-analysis which updates that 2002 paper with more recent cancer screening trials. The authors included 18 long-term randomized clinical trials of screening programs for colorectal, prostate, breast, ovarian and lung cancer, involving a total of 2.1 million individuals. 
Median follow-up periods for the trials range from 10 to 15 years, plenty of time for differences in lifespan between screened and unscreened people to emerge. The specific outcome that the authors wanted to calculate was how much longer people live if they undergo cancer screening, and their conclusions are absolutely dismal. Only colorectal cancer screening using sigmoidoscopy delivered any life extension, but the gain in life expectancy was a meagre 110 days, or roughly three months. Neither faecal occult blood testing for colorectal cancer nor mammography screening for breast cancer prolonged life. There was a trend towards life extension for PSA testing for prostate cancer and colonoscopy screening for colorectal cancer, but statistical significance was not reached because nearly as many screened individuals had their life expectancy shortened as had it increased. Moreover, the overall lifetime gain for screened individuals was a dismal 37 days. Likewise, lung cancer screening using computer tomography showed a trend toward increased lifespan, this time a slightly more impressive 107 days, but statistical significance was again not reached because so many screened individuals lived less long than unscreened individuals. Figure 2 from the study, which I've reproduced in the post accompanying this podcast episode, tells the tale, and this is one where you really are going to need to go look at that diagram. I'll talk you through it as best I can, but a picture speaks a thousand words. So when you look at that diagram, you'll see horizontal lines. Now, these represent the range of outcomes experienced by participants when data from all the studies was pooled for analysis. The diamonds on these lines represent the point estimate, or the best guess, of how much lifetime is gained or lost by undergoing that particular screening test. If the horizontal line crosses the vertical black line, the line of null effect, the results are not statistically significant. That is, it is possible that screening has no impact on life expectancy. Longer horizontal lines indicate fewer participants in the screening trial, and hence lower confidence in the point estimate. And if you'd like to learn how to decipher graphs like this, I have included a link to a handy-dandy tutorial on how to read a forest plot, and that's linked up in the post accompanying this podcast episode. The authors of the study are at pains to point out that some individuals experience a substantial increase in their lifespan by undergoing cancer screening. The problem is that a roughly equivalent number of people suffer a substantial decrease, either because the cancer screening test itself causes them harm, such as a perforated bowel from colonoscopy, or the treatment for the cancer that the screening test diagnosed results in life-shortening damage. Another reason why cancer screening fails to save lives relates to the fact that screening tests do absolutely nothing to address underlying diet and lifestyle risk factors. Remember, screening is not prevention. It is, purportedly, early detection. And people who get the all clear on their cancer screening test may be less likely to engage in health-promoting behaviour subsequently. This is the self-licensing effect that I discussed in that previous article, Major Trial Finds Screening Colonoscopy Fails to Save Lives. The risk factors for the most common types of cancer, obesity, sedentariness, smoking, alcohol consumption and insulin resistance, are also risk factors for cardiometabolic disease, which is a far greater cause of death than any individual cancer. An obese diabetic whose early-stage colorectal cancer is detected and successfully treated because of screening colonoscopy may end up dying of a heart attack at roughly the same time as he would otherwise have died of cancer. The fact that this person did not die of bowel cancer would be touted as a victory by the advocates of screening, but that's cold comfort for him because dead is dead. The authors of this recent study call for greater transparency from policymakers and healthcare providers when discussing the risks and benefits of cancer screening programs with the public. Currently, cancer screening is aggressively marketed to the public with false and misleading claims that these programs save lives. 
a shared decision-making process in which individuals make decisions on which screening tests they will undergo based on their own values is the only ethical option. This is the approach that I have taken with clients since I began clinical practice in 1995. I explain the currently known risks and benefits of any diagnostic tests, procedures and medications that have been recommended to each individual, as well as the tests and treatments that I recommend, and then leave each individual to make his or her own decision. Sometimes my clients make decisions that I personally would not make, and sometimes I consider their decisions to be unwise. For example, many of my clients allowed themselves to be injected with one or more COVID transfection agents after I had discussed the known and suspected harms with them. Some are now paying a very high price for that decision. But my opinion is irrelevant. Every person has their own unique decision-making calculus, and it's not my job to try to alter the values on which this calculus is based. Given the economic and political influences at play, it is highly unlikely that governments and insurers will stop wasting money and resources on cancer screening programs anytime soon. If you want to reduce your risk of cancer and other life-shortening diseases, it's up to you to take responsibility for your diet and lifestyle choices. Eating more healthy plant foods such as vegetables and whole grains, minimizing red and processed meat consumption, avoiding refined grains and added sugars, exercising regularly, maintaining a healthy weight, drinking little to no alcohol, avoiding smoking, and eschewing hormone replacement therapy have been found to reduce the risk of common cancers by 30 to 40 percent. And even more cancers could be prevented if all women breastfed their babies and then weaned them onto an optimal diet and were, somehow, able to ensure that they followed this optimal diet for the rest of their lives while also avoiding smoking and alcohol consumption and engaging in regular physical activity. Okay, good luck with all that. But anyone, at any time, can choose to adopt habits which reduce their risk of developing cancer or even arrest its growth if they already have it. So tell me, what are you doing and what do you plan to start doing or stop doing to protect yourself against cancer? Let me know in the comments section of this podcast episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.